0: Morning. We're continuing our series in Genesis thirty-five. Genesis. We're in Genesis thirty-five today, and we're going to be looking at verse one through to sixteen a. So I'm I'm pinching a bit from whoever's on next week. Uh, Apologies in advance. And uh, what I've called this is I've called this a new name from the right God. Very interesting, we've had words this morning, I am the Lord, I am the Lord of hosts, I am the Lord God Almighty, and uh, this is pretty crucial to where I believe that we should be heading this morning. So let's have a look at God's word, Genesis chapter 35, here we go. God said to Jacob, arise, go up from Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away your foreign gods that are among you, and purify yourselves, and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make there an altar to God, to the God who answers me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone." So they gave to Jacob all their foreign gods that they had, the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the Tenebith tree, which is near Shechem. As they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Ludz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people that were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel. So he called the name Alon Bakuth, which means Oak of Weeping. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob no longer, shall be your name called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply, a nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken. And Jacob set up a pillar in that place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of that place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you have revealed so much of yourself in your word. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, Lord. Father, just highlight in our hearts what it is that you want to say. Amen. So let's get straight in. Let's look at this place, Bethel. Well, Bethel was originally called Lutz, Um, all very nice and tidy. Then Jacob comes along and he calls it, I'll call it Bethel, which means God's house. Uh, nice and clean, and he starts worshipping God there. So nice and simple, let's call it Bethel, job done, worship God. A bit more complicated than that. Did you know the word El means God, means any kind of God, any God. And frankly, any old God was worshipped in Bethel. It was a place where there was a lot of worship of a lot of different stuff that was going on, and this was in Canaan, and Canaan, they were doing some pretty dodgy stuff with some pretty dodgy gods, which we won't go into today, and yet on arrival, Jacob calls this place El Bethel, and the best way from looking it up that I can kind of translate it is like this, it's God, the house of God, who is the Lord God Almighty, God, the house of God, who is the Lord God Almighty. See, we live in a society where a lot of people believe in God, don't they? It's nice. Oh, I believe in God. But what kind of God are they believing in? Have we met very sincere people, maybe even Christians, very sincere, who talk about God? But who is the God that they are talking about? Is it a God of their own making? Jacob gets to this place and he is absolutely crystal clear. You are not any old God. You are not a local God. You are not a God of my imagination. You are the Lord God Almighty. I want to start jumping up and down at that point. He is the Lord God Almighty. You are the one who has brought me back to this place. Jacob's very clear, but we're not always clear. People who will come and join us at this church will not be clear. Their view of God has been shaped by school, by family, by friends, by things that have been good, things that have not been good. I believe it's so important. If we want to know what God is like, we look in this book, or if you're doing that, <laughs> look at the old Gate- Gateway Bible app. The Bible is absolutely crucial. This is the source of where we find out what God is is like because if not we can do what i did which is fall into an emotional response to who god is and go well i love jesus meek and mild and i love him cuddling me but i don't like all these people being killed in the old testament and that so i'm just going to make god in my own image and that is a dire mistake god made us in his image it starts with him not with my view my opinion or my experience it starts with him and it starts with the word of God. God is a God of love. Yes. He's a God of kindness. He's a God of care. He is a God of incredible grace. But say it quietly. He is also a God who is full of wrath. And full of anger. That upsets people. But it's true. Because if he wasn't. How could the sacrifice of Jesus be so perfect? I was born sin. Foul and obnoxious to God. Jesus came and died in my place. If I create God in my image, well, he loves me, he understands I'm having a hard time. No, we must base it on God's word. He is a God of, full of compassion, and he is a God of eternal life, and eternal love, which he showed us through Jesus. What does the Bible say about the God who Jacob worshipped? He was a God who spoke. Hallelujah a God who guided, a God who protected, a God who blessed, a God who received worship. He was a God who promised, a God who revealed himself, and a God who delivered fruitfulness to Jacob. Isn't he wonderful? He's just wonderful, isn't he? This is where I need Barb. What else does the Bible say about God? The Lord is our shepherd. Do you want to string him off, Barb? Jehovah. Jara, which is God, my provider. Any others? God, Shalom. God is my peace. Nisi, the Lord our healer. Mekadish. Have we had a banner yet? The Lord our banner. Healer? Is Nisi healer? Yeah. Rapha is healer. I loved you. Je- Sorry? Shepherd. I love Jehovah Shema, the God who is there. Hallelujah. Oh, that was nice. Do you get before the Lord something with a cup of coffee, sit on the edge of the bed or in your shed or in the car outside Sainsbury's? You, think, you are the God who is there. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That is the God we worship. The Lord is our banner. The Lord is our healer. The Lord is our shepherd. These aren't little sentiments I'm running out because I need a cuddle. This is based on the truth of the word of God and that is the Lord and the God that we worship. The Bible says, if you want to know what God is like or who God is like, who do you look to? Jesus. <clears throat> look to Jesus. Philip, I've been with you so long and yet you don't know. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's not in the notes, but that's John 14:9 to 11. In fact, you go from John 14 through to 17, just the heart of God just reflected through what Jesus is doing. And what he's going through, oh, it's just stunning. This is the God we worship, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord God Almighty, the risen one, the living one, the one who ever lives to make intercession for us. This is the God that we worship, not a God of my imagination who helps me when I'm struggling a bit. And he does help us when we struggle. But he is a great God, and he is an awesome God, and he is a fearsome God. But he's also our father. Sort that out. I can't. (laughs) So let's return to the story. God brings Jacob back to a place where Jacob had made a promise. So let's just nip back quickly to Genesis chapter 28 and verse 19. Just have a look at three verses here briefly. So Genesis 28... This is the story, which we've looked at already, where Jacob has the dream, he sees the ladder comes down from heaven, angels ascending and descending. Interesting that they were ascending first, don't go there. (laughs) So he has this dream, he wakes up in the morning, and we get to verse 19 of chapter 28. Jacob called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Lutz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go, will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. What a half-baked promise. I mean, isn't that just awful? Well, God, if you do this, if you do that, if you do the other, and you do that, then I'll give you a tenth. Doesn't it show the grace of God? When I barter with God and say, Well, Lord, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, isn't God gracious to us? If I'd been God, I would have washed my hands at Jacob and said, If that's it, son, forget it. But God is so full of grace. He's so full of grace. God brought him back to this place where Jacob had made a promise. For some of us, God could be bringing you back to a place where you made him a promise and he wants to chat to you about it. It's not a heavy thing or an intense thing, but maybe in the past you said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to do this for you or that. Just have a little chat with him and ask him whether he wants to talk to you about it. God's first priority in this, in this passage was that Jacob was to know him and was to worship him. Worship was to come to the center of Jacob's life. We know the ducking and diving in Jacob's life, we've looked at that many times now. <clears throat> but now, worship was to be at the center of Jacob's life. He was, it was time for Jacob to start doing things on God's terms. And Jacob eventually, like some of us, was starting to get the message. As my old pastor once said, if your head hurts, stop banging it against the brick wall. (laughs) I thought it was very wise. I haven't found where that is, but uh, it's very wise. He makes a decision I'm going to go. That decision affects his household, it affects his business, it affects everything about his life. It affects his behavior and the behavior of others. We are going to return to where God has called us to. This means that things have got to go. His decision was affecting those around him, and he said, right, we've got to get rid of all the rubbish. Now, this was before the law. Moses is more pages on in the Bible, so they hadn't been given the law, but there was something in Jacob's heart that said, I need to get rid of this, get rid of these dodgy gods or these dodgy practices, whatever it was. I just need to put them aside. He wasn't pressurized into it. He just did that. I'm going to put that aside. It's the same for us, you know. When you have that sense of God speaking to you, there's this kind of this longing for a, a kind of a, a deeper holiness. Hard to explain. Lord, I just want to get rid of that criticalness towards so and so, or the fact that I nick a Mars bar every week from the cart when the lady's not looking, or whatever it is. I just want to lay that to one side, because meeting with God should and will affect. Our behaviour. We don't always know exactly how to respond, but I believe God will stir our hearts if there are things that we need to lay aside. Because simply there are things that are unhelpful in our lives, in my life, things which are not Godward. Just make a decision to bury them and move on. Simple as that. We have prayer teams, they may want to chat those things through with folk afterwards. Verse five is very interesting. It says that terror from the Lord came upon all the surrounding areas. Now, if you read the previous chapter, especially the end bit, you'll see that as well as being frightened of his brother and everything else that moved, Jacob was pretty frightened of the area of Canaan because his sons had really upset a lot of people by killing a lot of people. And yet God sovereignly was protecting him as he continued on his journey. Not based on his own strength, not based on his own manipulation, not his ducking and diving. It was God. And In this world, we're exposed to all sorts of stuff, aren't we? Difficulties, struggles. Oh. I try and manipulate. I try and duck and dive and get it sorted my way. But we can only rely on the protection of the Lord God Almighty. Psalm 59, verse 9 and 10, it says this, O my strength, I will watch for you. You are my God and my fortress. My God, in his steadfast love, will meet me. God will let me look with triumph over my enemies. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? In years to come, things could change radically in this nation. It may be that we have to live that more than a nice cozy verse, I stick on the fridge and go home and watch Match of the Day. That could become a very significant scripture for us in the future. The first five verses of Psalm 59 are very helpful too, but there's no time to look at that. Verse eight's interesting, isn't it? Don't you love it when the Bible puts in little bits? He was a left-handed man, etc. It's great. In verse 8 it says, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and she was buried under the oak, which is called the oak of weeping. Danger in the charismatic churches, we can be so strong and so full of faith that we don't have time for tears. We don't have time to sometimes be sorrowful and allow one another to be sorrowful. God didn't tell them off for doing it. It was a perfectly natural and a right thing to do. I also believe there's a wider principle here, is that here he is, he's on a journey, he's moving on, but something precious, something that was a key part of their life, died, was taken from them. And I don't believe that we're all going to have members of our family start dying. I'm not saying that in any way But sometimes there are things we do, relationships we're in, routines we're in, maybe even churches we're in, I don't know. But sometimes those things have to die so that we can move on. John 15 tells us that we have a wonderful Father who is pruning us, not to give us a hard time, but so that we can bear more fruit. We've looked at that in this church many times. But we mustn't be surprised if things start to die, or things have to die, so that new growth can come. As many of you know, our daughter's getting married next week, so it's a pretty chill, easy time at the moment, just relaxing a lot, you know. <laughs> um, and we have a fantastic relationship, her and I, very precious relationship. But in a sense, don't mishear me, but in a sense, I've had to lay down a lot of the preciousness of that relationship, because now her husband must be the full love of her life. I'm still her dad, I still love her, the door's still open, but I must step back to allow that to grow. And the guys here and mums here will know that. It's not easy, but that's something that has to die. Very important. You know, over the years, you know, I've laid down the music ministry. I laid down preaching, laid down eldership, and all over sort of 35 years and so forth. But these things are important when God says it because it's about his purposes and his kingdom. If I'm ringing my daughter up twice a day for the next five years of her life, she's never going to grow and move on. Neither am I. So sometimes precious things have to be laid aside. And we have a God who comforts us. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. And I'm having to live that, so I don't say that flippantly. So Jacob, he does what God says. He goes where God directs. He gets rid of the rubbish as best he knows how. He worships God. God appears, blesses him, and reiterates the promise. Now, this is not like a rigid template for Christian life. Right, well, I must forgive everybody, and I must be obedient and get rid of the rubbish, and now I must do that, and then God will... It's not a rigid template, but I believe there are some principles in that which many of us have experienced over the years where it helps us move on in our walk with God. We listen to his voice. We seek as best we can in our simplicity to respond in obedience. Lord, help me get rid of the sin and the distractions. And when we worship, let's expect to hear God and receive fresh impetus from God. Verse 10 and 11 says this, God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Hallelujah. Again, just nip back to Genesis 32. Let's just try and tie this together a little bit. Genesis 32, and where are we? Verse 27 and 28. We were looking at this again a couple of weeks ago. Jacob wrestles with God, a man, a theophany. Don't want to get into debate because we'll all argue. But he, he wrestled with, with someone, maybe God, maybe, what, very special. <laughs> Let's just read what it says here. Verse 27. Of 32, where we go? Here we are. Then he said, the wrestler, let me go for day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Now, this is very interesting because two chapters later, God says to him, your name is not Jacob, but Israel. I've kind of struggled. I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Is this a, a bit of the Bible where something is reiterated? Had he returned? Is this a, a different reflection on the same story? Or did God rename him a second time? Theologically, I'm not actually that sure, and this isn't the place to look at it. But it just sort of sprung a few principles in my mind, which may help us. Sometimes... When God speaks, we need to hear it twice, yeah? New York, New York, so good they named it twice. If you're like me, you're not always very obedient first time. Getting better sometimes. When we become a Christian, when we ask Jesus Christ to become Lord of our life, a change takes place, something very radical And something very supernatural takes place. The Bible tells us that our life is hidden with God in Christ Jesus. Yet we can continue to live in doubt, fear, anxiety and isolation. Because we don't completely grasp the fullness of this amazing salvation that's now ours. Being a Christian is a process. It's a day-to-day growth, isn't it? It's not like wake up and like I'm perfect and I'm on the way. The New Testament is packed with promises about what Jesus has won for us through his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. We have a new name. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour. You have a new name, you have a new nature. And yet, sometimes God has to remind us that we have a new name because I still live in the worry or the fear or anxiety or whatever and yet we have a new name. We are in Christ Jesus. A great book by Colin Urquhart on that. Just take a little sidestep, remembering the names of God. Jacob, in Genesis thirty-three twenty, 20, he has a flash of inspiration. He, he erects an altar to the Lord, and he calls it El Eloi Israel. And it means God, the God of Israel. For like a moment, he suddenly gets it. Not the God of Jacob, the God of Israel. He kind of gets it. And then back into everyday life, he kind of reverts. And I see that so much as Christians. We come together as God's people and we can kind of get into the Christian thing and then we get into everyday life and we revert. Not revert in terrible sin and wickedness, but just stuff comes in, doesn't it? And we get easily distracted. I believe the Lord wants to remind us that we have a new name, we have a new nature, we have Christ inside us, the hope of glory. That is that is amazing, isn't it? Very difficult for me to understand that. I just long, just, I, I, do I long? I kind of hope quite a bit that the Holy Spirit will warm that in our hearts, the way just that sense of his presence came earlier. That will warm our hearts that we will start to see lord i am a new creation i am a son ladies you're also sons because sons inherit yeah and your precious daughters too but we are sons and daughters of the king precious loved beloved valued because our god is not a god of our own making but he is the lord god almighty who is the king of glory the lord he is the king of glory So, it's good just to refresh ourselves with a bit of clarity on who the God is that we follow. He is the Lord, God Almighty. We can see how worshipping and how God calling us to do things can affect decisions and our behaviour. And it's good also for us to be reminded who we are in Christ Jesus. That's so precious. Just finally, I sneaked into verse 16a, as, as I said earlier. And they journeyed from Bethel. Those Christians amongst us who've been around the block a long time, not looking at anybody, Fred. <laughs> Some of us have had the privilege of experiencing, subjectively speaking, maybe some what we might believe were encounters with the Lord. 35 years ago, I was filled with the Spirit in Wales in a cow shed and spent the afternoon sitting by a little Welsh mountain stream. It's subjective and it's my take on it, but I had such a vivid sense of the presence of God, like cutting a knife through butter that I cannot explain and only once since, in 35 years, have I experienced that. I cannot tell you how unspeakably, gloriously, wonderfully, incredibly tingling kind of uh, that was. It's still what gets me out of bed. It just, I can't explain, and I know it's subjective. Brothers and sisters, I longed to stay there. I wanted to stay there. But we have to move on Moses saw the burning bush and he took his shoes off and then he just stood looking at the burning bush for the next 80 years no he turned his back on the presence of God and he went with God who was calling him we we were messing about this morning on the piano singing Father God I Wonder at an Ian Andrews meeting in 1984 I had a glimpse and I had a good dad earthly dad i had a glimpse of what a earthly heavenly father was like i cannot express the staggeringly stingingly mind-blowing incredible ah wonderfulness of it that was 31 years i long for those experiences again but we move on because god has called us to get on with a job it's not about Julian tingling. It's about Hearne Bay hearing that Jesus Christ is Lord and he loves them. I believe we can still have meetings with the Lord and encounter him. And man, do I long for that too. And sometimes, you know, maybe sense that some. That's good. It's good to spend time in his presence, but also I must not build an altar to 35 years ago, but I must be obedient to what God has called me to do today. And a lot of that is tough and hard, but he's with us and he never forsakes us. I just step nice and gently off my soapbox now. Yes, press in for the presence of God. Yes, meditate on Psalm 27. Lord, I desire your presence. Seek to reach out to him. Yes, yes, yes. But also, let's continue with the job that God has called us to do. Husbands, love your wives. That's sometimes more important than having an amazing experience with Jesus. You know? Anyway, there we go. Moses didn't stay. The cloud in the desert, what did it do? It moved. The fire in the desert leading the children of Israel, what did it do? It moved. God is a God on the move. And I'm having to learn that. I've just put three questions to look at for growth group and or maybe to look at on your own as I finish. Who is the God that I worship? Is he the God of the Bible? Are there things that I sense the Lord's just asking me to to lay aside so I can seek Him afresh? Am I living in the good of all that Jesus, not me, but all that Jesus has achieved for me? And probably the toughest one for me of all, am I prepared to move on with what God has called it, confident that He is able? Finally, last verse. One John 5:20 again, it's not in the notes, but um, 1 John 5 verse 20 <clears throat> says this: "And we know, and we know, and we know, wow, that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may be able to know him who is true." And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that we are found in Jesus Christ. Lord, we are lost without you. We are so flawed, weak. But Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you Come and live within us. Thank you, Jesus, that we are new creations. Father, help me, help us to work that out in all the nitty gritty of the everyday stuff that comes across our path. Because, Jesus, we really love you. Lord, we want to walk in the wisdom that you give. And, Father, we long to see men, women, young people, and children in Hern Bay and the surrounding areas, come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. May your name become even greater, we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.